The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I'd like to talk with you a little bit about breastfeeding as it relates to child care. And by that, I mean child care as in daycare, as in uh, child care centers, or even home care. Any of those kinds of things. Now, let me tell you how this came up was just the other day I was having lunch with a friend of mine that I actually went to nursing school with many years ago. And, of course, we got to talking about our nursing school days, which was fun. But somewhere in there, she began to tell me about a friend or colleague of hers anyway who was going back to work and had a number of questions. And as I was talking with her, I was thinking, you know, These questions are not unusual. I seem to be getting more and more of those. So I'm going to leap to the conclusion that maybe you have some of these questions as well. And I'm going to encourage you, please go on my Facebook site. I would love to have you leave a comment there as to whether these questions and hopefully these answers are things that resonate for you or if you're a professional? Is this the kind of thing that your clients are asking you about? Maybe you're pregnant and maybe you're thinking, ooh, those are things I hadn't thought about, but maybe I should be thinking about. So give me some feedback. I would be very interested. So I started to talk about the whole idea of basically child care. And as we talk today, I'm going to start out talking with you a little bit about, first of all, how do you pick a provider or a situation where you are, in fact, setting yourself up to meet your breastfeeding goals? Because you've got to be smart enough to figure out that if you're separated from this baby and you're trying to do breastfeeding or exclusive breastfeeding, it's going to be enormously important that the the daycare or child care situation really helps you to meet that goal rather than becoming an obstacle. So number one is then I'll talk about how to shop for a place, a individual, a team, whatever that's going to help you. And then... I'm going to talk a little bit about what I guess I would call some of the laws and mandates and regulations. I'll also be talking about some of the communication issues and also a little bit about some of the real nuts and bolts, how to. I'm not going to go into that too deep because remember, I've done shows that have been on things like pumping and storing and so forth. So I won't go into that. But I'd like to look at it as, as it relates to the child care situation. So first of all, let me just start by saying that as you go to pick a child care provider, try to remember that there are lots and lots of different options that you have. I'm going to name only a few. And there's other things that certainly are variations. 
So let me start with Mother's Helper. This is maybe an option that you haven't considered, but everybody sort of thinks, at least most mothers, nearly all women that I talk to, make the assumption that they're going back to the job that they've had for the last however many years. But I would like to encourage you, remember that nowadays there are lots of ways to go back to work without going back to work. If you can possibly get an arrangement where you can live in your home with your baby in your home, then hiring a mother's helper might be the way to go. And mother's helper basically watches a child while you are at home. That is a good situation for breastfeeding. Now, maybe you'd like to have something like a nanny or an au pair. I certainly know that when I was a staff nurse at Georgetown University Hospital, uh, lots of women there had nannies. I was blown away by that. Now, it's not part of my reality. It might not be part of yours. But if you can swing it, that's a great way to go because then you can stay in your home. How about an au pair? An au pair is generally a woman who comes from a different country. And yes, you've got to pay travel and fees and such. But she is going to do her job usually in exchange for room and board. Maybe that's something that you could do maybe for a short amount of time, maybe three or four months. Is that an option for you? Think about it because that would keep you and your baby in your home. Actually, somebody on my staff had an au pair this summer. So it's not it's not all that far out of reach. Now, of course, what you're probably more familiar with is a model like what I would call relative care. A relative, maybe a retired grandparent, maybe a sister or a cousin or someone, provides care either in your home or in their home, but at any rate, it is home-based. All right? The next best thing to that is probably what I would call family daycare. I'm thinking that this is an arrangement that's usually in somebody else's house, although it wouldn't have to be. Uh, A woman who used to be a bookkeeper in my, uh, well, she was a bookkeeper in my office, but before that, she functioned as a family daycare provider. She had two little kids that she was watching while she also raised her own little kids. And then, of course, when her kids got in uh, school was when she came to work for me, which was wonderful because, of course, we loved her. And then, of course, there's the model that probably you're very familiar with, which would be a daycare center or a child care center. These are non-residential drop-off facilities. And usually to have that kind of an arrangement, you're going to be looking at either half or full day uh care fees, and along with that, the baby, you children, will have services that include structured activities, meals, and certainly much more. So I pulled some statistics for you, not that I want to bore you to death, but I just want to give you a little tiny bit of a perspective, and I got this from census.gov. If the mother is employed... And these latest statistics, by the way, were from 2011. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, geez, Marie, that was a long time ago. Yeah, I know, but statistics like this are always woefully behind. In 2011, if the mother was employed, 53% of their children ages 0 to 4 were taken care of by a grandparent. 32% were in some sort of a, what I guess I would call, child care center, one of those non-residential facilities. 53% of them went to a nursery or a preschool, but now remember, you can't do that with an infant. 58% were cared for in the child's home by someone who was not a relative, 44% were cared for in a family daycare situation, that is, in a home that is a residential home. And then finally, 52% were others. Now, of course, you do see the overlap here. You you understand. 
partly because they looked at kids who were zero to four. So that means that the baby might have gone to a preschool at one point, but was in a care center at a different point. That's why the numbers don't all add up to 100%. In any event, the comment that I'd like to make here is that there are lots and lots of choices and there are lots and lots of children who are being cared for by somebody other than their mother. So understand that you're not the only one in this boat. I'd like you to look at your options, but before you start shopping for some sort of child care, I'd like to encourage you to determine what criteria are important to you when you start looking for a place that is going to take care of your child. Certainly, there are a number of general things to look for, and those things are all over the web. I'm sure I don't need to tell you what they are. Uh, There are things like qualifications and experience of personnel, what are the fees, the distance from home or work, and much more. But as a breastfeeding mother, you need to shop for a child care provider who will be your partner rather than your adversary in meeting your breastfeeding goals. So I'm going to assume that you're looking for some sort of child care outside of your home since it appears that most people have the child care outside of their home. And so in that case, I'm going to give you some ideas for some questions to ask. Ask yourself, ask them, whatever. But as you start asking those questions, at least to yourself, try to think about what the criteria would be as you go, as I'd like to say, shopping. Well, the first bunch are what I would call the who questions. Who will be providing care for your child? Will it be one person or a staff of people? Now, that runs hot and cold. If it's one person and she's really excellent, you know that you get her every single day. If it's a team of people and there's one that you really don't like so much, well, then there are others that can take care of your child. What is their attitude about breastfeeding. Yes? Good? Not so good? Don't know? Really important to think about that. What is the education and experience that they have had with breastfeeding or breastfeeding children, if at all? Most importantly, do they have a philosophy about food and feeding that is similar to your own? Or do they have attitudes, beliefs, and values that are very different from your own? How do those people feel about older children breastfeeding? Now, you're thinking to yourself, Marie, I don't know, I'm not that far. My kid is only, you know, six weeks old or I'm still pregnant. Well, that's great. But remember that although your baby may be very young when you enroll her in a daycare program, but later on, if she's still breastfeeding, How will that be viewed by the child care provider or providers? Some people are all for breastfeeding for young infants. They're not so supportive, or sometimes they're just downright negative about breastfeeding an older infant or child. And by the way, when we come back from the break, I will be talking more about that, uh, how you really get into if they've got some good things in place for breastfeeding. Are they likely to respect your wishes about feeding practices? For instance, if you're planning on exclusively breastfeeding, does the provider or providers understand what that means? Will they support your decision? Have they read up, as my mother would say, have they read up on breastfeeding? There is a ton of information out there that is from the U.S. government, from the World Health Organization, plenty of places. So that stuff is all over the web. I would expect them to have a basic understanding of breastfeeding, storage of mother's milk, and so forth. Any of those things, in my mind, would be fair game. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the what. But in the meanwhile, I would just like to say thank you to our sponsor, and that's New Angel. I'll spell that for you. It's N-U-A-N-G-E-L, newangel.com. Be sure to check it out. Wonderful cotton products, many products, uh, uh, diapers, burp cloths, 
all sorts of things uh, for women, by women. Check it out. N-U-A-N-G-E-L dot com. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton-washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your New Angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed as we talk more about looking for ways to find a child care provider who is going to be supportive of your breastfeeding goals, someone who's going to help you to get to where you're going and the whole issue of being separated from your child, while not easy, is going to be a lot more uh, helpful than being an obstacle. So the next thing I'd like to ask you about then is what about the laws? What about the regulations? And what about the standards? Now, those things are all different. All right. Laws are laws. Regulations are not necessarily laws. Standards are something entirely different. So, I'm going to talk here a little bit about what I think might be best described as licensed healthcare providers. A licensed healthcare provider could be somebody that works in her home, and generally those are situations where they have, oh, some five to eight children maximum, depending on what their state allows. Or we're talking about something bigger, and that would be one of those non-residential facilities. But in either case, The providers that are licensed definitely have to abide by the laws. They have to abide by the state regulations, no question about it. So as you go into this, it's your responsibility really to know what sort of laws and regulations there are in place to help protect, promote, and support breastfeeding. 
If you're seeking child care in a licensed health facility, whether it's non-residential facility or a home care situation, indeed, that caregiver will need to comply with the federal and the state laws and regulations. For example, there are plenty of regulations about breastfeeding, the storage of human milk, and much more. How what the degree of your refrigerator has to be, all of that stuff. Trust me, the state has a good grip on that. However, if your care provider is not licensed by the state, let's say the caregiver is your mother-in-law, for example, then not only might she not be in compliance with these laws or regulations, she might not even be aware of them. So that's a really important thing to consider. I'm not necessarily saying that's bad. I'm not necessarily saying that uh, it can't be done or it's inferior or any of that. I'm saying make sure that she does become aware because that will be important to you. I would also wonder, let's say that the organization does have these laws and regulations in place. Okay, that's really great, but I've lived long enough, and so have you. I've lived long enough to know that sometimes there are rules, but that doesn't mean that people are actually going by them. So what I would wonder is what sort of policies or what sort of procedures do they have in place in order to make sure that those regulations are being adhered to? Do they have training for their staff? How often do they have training for their staff? Does the training for the staff include stuff about breastfeeding or is it just about formula feeding or is it just about feeding or mm, maybe they say they do, but they really don't. Do they have an audit? Can you look at that? Now, unlicensed individuals who provide in-home daycare may not have written policies, but Certainly, it's appropriate to inquire about how issues related to breastfeeding and human milk are handled and how much experience or training about such, if any, that they have had. Now, again, I want to slow you down here for just a moment. If you find yourself saying, oh, Marie, I don't know, uh, you know, it's, it's just a place, but it's not necessarily big enough to have policies, sure it is. You can have policies for how your household is run. You can have policies for a playground or anything else. If you want one, you can have one. So, in theory, a policy should make sure that everybody that works there is on the same page. It doesn't always work out that way. So, let me make a clear distinction between laws and regulations and standards. Standards are a whole other kettle of fish, all right? As a general rule, I would say that at least in healthcare, in my experience, standards are about something. It's about breastfeeding or whatever. And it's generally written by experts or authorities. For example, if I was thinking about breastfeeding, I would be thinking about the expert or authority being somebody like the Academy of Breast, uh, excuse me, the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics, the AAP. Now, you're probably all familiar with the AAP's statement on breastfeeding, which, by the way, they've been issuing since, oh dear, I think since the 1930s. Uh, and then they update it every so many years. But anyway, you might ask yourself, does the AAP have a standard for child care centers who have breastfeeding babies? And the answer is a resounding yes. The document that you're interested in is called Caring for Our Children. And actually, it has a bigger name. And I'm going to see if I can quickly locate that bigger name. I I just always kind of abbreviate it here. Yeah, it's called um, Caring for Our Children, National Health and Safety Performance Standards, Guidelines for Early Care and Education Programs. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. And what you'll be interested to know is that there are some very specific standards that the AAP has mentioned for child care centers, and I'm going to give you the four. Trust me, you're interested in this. Number one, encouraging and supporting breastfeeding. You're thinking, well, Marie, that's a little flaky, but okay. 
Number two, providing a designated place for breastfeeding. That is, you should be able to go into the place, have a place to sit down and comfortably breastfeed your baby. Number three, introducing solid foods no earlier than four months. Okay, you're wondering, what about the six month? Well, actually, they do say that. They say preferably six months, but they clearly say no earlier than four months. Number four, not providing formula without parent permission. You're thinking, wow, those are four good things. That sounds really good. Yeah, well, not so much so, because unfortunately, complying with these standards from the AAP is voluntary. It is not mandatory. In other words, these standards are out there, but they don't have any teeth. So if you're hunting for child care, inquire about whether the home or the facility that you're interested in is even aware of these standards. If they're not aware of them, I can promise you it's not likely that you're going to find them in place. And even if they are in place, they might break down when you have another provider or a new owner or whatever. Uh, researchers, most notably Sarah Benjamin Nealon and her colleagues, have looked at licensed daycare providers, and they looked at both those that are the non-residential centers as well as those in private homes. They learned a great deal about which states are addressing these AAP standards, and by the way, I could talk for ages about that, but I'll give you just a brief recap of their results. The vast majority of U.S. states have addressed the AAP standards partially or not at all. You heard me right. I said most of the U.S. states have not made these AAP standards mandatory, and they're not in place. Only a few, just a small handful of states, had addressed these and addressed them completely. Now, I want to jump back for just a moment to federal mandates. I deliberately didn't mention this when we were talking about federal laws and regulations because this is not a law and it's not a regulation. It's more along the lines of paperwork that must be completed by care programs or care facilities in order to get reimbursement for meals. But people have asked me about the USDA's stand on giving whole milk in daycare centers to an older child, meaning a child between age one and two. And there are a lot of myths kind of swirling around on this issue, so I'm going to try to separate fact from fiction for you here. The thing you're interested in is the USDA's Child and Adult Care Food Program. That is the CACFP, Child and Adult Care Food Program. So notice here that it's not only for children, it's also for adults. It's a federal program. And basically what they do is they reimburse businesses for food given to child care uh, or food given in child care facilities. But it's also for the food that's given in adult daycare centers and emergency shelters and much more. So the thing is that to receive the reimbursement from the USDA, the participating business must serve food as specified in the CACFP regulations. I have often heard that uh, the program requires that children 12 months to two years can be given whole milk, but I cannot find that on the CACFP site. I cannot find it. However, it is a well-known fact, and it's very easy to find uh, a more general thing, and this is from the USDA's uh, site. Uh, The USDA, I quote, the USDA rules only allow whole milk for children one to two years old. And I got that actually specifically from the WIC site. So as I read it, whole milk is allowed I would also argue that mother's milk is whole in the sense that nothing has been stripped away from it. 
In any event, there is a clear allowance for mother's milk and, as I understand it, it can be given. I do want to add, however, that some child care providers may ask the mother to submit a statement saying that she's bringing in her own milk for her child so that the facility can get credit for having provided the required foods, even if they didn't purchase all of them. So, check it out. Remember, though, that this is only a matter of reimbursement. It's not a matter of what the child may or may not get, at least uh, in the earlier context that I gave. All right, when we come back, I'm going to talk about some nuts and bolts of caregiving as related to breastfeeding in the uh, care site. I'm Marie Biancuto. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. The new Roo Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin-to-skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands-free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture-wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new Roo Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin-to-skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at NewRooBaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-Baby.com. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you for joining me. All right, so hopefully I've helped you to get some real good ideas of the kinds of things that you should be shopping for, the kinds of questions that you should have, and the kinds of comebacks <laughs> that you should have if you hear things that don't really make sense to you. So I'd like to talk then a little bit about what I guess I would call some nuts and bolts if you are putting your care your child into some sort of child care situation. Honestly, you know, whether it's how many minutes to cook your pasta or how much seasoning to add to your meatloaf or how you want your baby and your milk to be treated in your absence, some of it just comes down to personal preferences. So even if it's the baby's, uh, if the baby's caregiver is completely willing and able to do as you say, there are still three things really that loom large in my mind. First, Does the person or the team have the knowledge and the skills to feed a baby and to handle the milk in a way that meets your expectations? And secondly, have you clearly communicated your ideals and your preferences? As the saying goes, safety first. Let me talk a little about safety. Well, certainly if the baby is in a licensed child care facility, you certainly can anticipate some very strict rules in terms of labeling, storage of the milk at a specified temperature in the refrigerator, uh, duration of number of days that the milk could be held in the refrigerator, all that kind of stuff. They're going to have that all spelled out because that is generally a state regulation. However, it might be appropriate to ask what mechanisms are in place to make sure 
that it all goes as planned. For example, the reason that you label your milk is so that you know that your child gets it. Well, how can you be sure that after it's labeled that your child really gets your milk? Now, to be truthful, I truly believe that most caregivers are very careful. And I think it's very unlikely that your child would get somebody else's milk. But there certainly have been some cases where that has happened. If it does happen, by the way, unless the other mother has some serious infection, it's unlikely that your baby will experience any serious problem. But you might feel really creepy about it. Some mothers really are very psychologically traumatized by the idea of their baby getting somebody else's milk. So I would want to know that they have some policy in place. For Here would be a simple one. Maybe it is that two people have to check the milk before it goes to the baby, something along those lines. Okay, so the next thing might be that mothers and paid givers alike have some concerns about the safety factors for actually storing the milk. And as you might imagine, that's the old where, when, how long, when to discard and similar questions. And there are tons of studies on this. I would say there are more than 30 studies just on storage. And that that's being conservative. And I've read every single one of them. But I don't think that you're going to go out and read every one of them. So in general, I advise that labeled milk be stored in the coldest part of the refrigerator, meaning not the door, if possible, and that the refrigerator door be opened as infrequently as possible. How long can the milk be stored in the refrigerator? Well, I usually suggest that anyone who is seeking this answer look for the latest information from the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. And I'm fairly sure that I addressed that on a previous show. Uh, The Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine is an international group of physicians who have based their recommendations on an exhaustive reading of the existing scientific literature, and I would trust them implicitly. Certainly, you're free to go to their website. There's a ton of good stuff there, and storage is only one of the things. Uh, It's www.bfmed.org, www.bfmed.org. Now, from time to time, people ask me various questions about the appearance of milk and if it's safe to give the baby. Honestly, I'm kind of hard-pressed to think of any visual cues that would make me question the safety of milk. Human milk does look thin, although I think a better description would be translucent, and that's okay. Human milk also separates into the fat and the non-fat components, and that's okay, too. But remember that whether you're calling it thin or translucent or separated or whatever, it's really just reflective of the fact that the mother's milk has not been homogenized, okay? We're used to seeing homogenized milk that's in the refrigerator in the carton, and it doesn't look the same. Well, that's because it's been homogenized, okay? Uh, People also ask me a lot about colored milk. In nearly all cases, there is no concern if the mother has expressed milk that is green or pink or orange or any other color. Most often, the color of the milk can be explained by what you ate or drank. So, for example, if you drank some green Gatorade, it wouldn't be unusual for you to have green milk. Uh, Maybe you ate a lot of beets you might find yourself with sort of pinky or reddish milk, and that's fine. Or you could be like the woman who said to me, Marie, I'm married to a sweet potato farmer. I eat a lot of sweet potatoes. Okay, well, then her milk is probably going to very frequently be uh, sort of a yellowish-orange color. And and this is okay. It's perfectly fine. It's not harmful. Or, you know, the other thing I forgot to mention, but uh, uh, medications can sometimes make your milk colored too. But I would not be relying on... The, the color of the milk as something that would be bothersome now or unsafe. Milk that is malodorous, it smells, okay? That may or may not be safe to give to the baby. In my experience, most times milk that smells funny is due to a particularly odorous food like garlic. So I would be wondering about that. The other thing it could be is that you might have a high level of lipase in your milk, and that really is a 
topic for a different show. Uh, a relatively small percentage of women have it, but uh, it doesn't make it unsafe, but sometimes the baby does not like it. So, yes, it is certainly possible that you could have some really bad uh, bacteria that's in your milk and it smells, that's certainly possible. But I would say that warrants further evaluation So don't leap to any conclusions. And whatever you do, don't let somebody else throw out your milk before they ask you. Okay. So let me talk a little bit about thawing or warming the milk. You know, technically, you don't even have to warm up the milk, particularly if it's a baby old enough to go to uh, childcare. But I think what you'll find is that babies are not real keen on the idea of consuming it because they just don't really like it that way. How often should the baby be feeding? Well, I don't know. It depends on how much he took last time. It depends on how old the baby is and so forth. And that feeds right into the interval because, once again, the baby's not a machine. It's really difficult to know how long it will be before he wants to feed again. Uh, Certainly, I would check for any child care place And make sure that they go by cue-based feedings, that is, looking for the baby's hunger cues, not just scheduling. Scheduling is not good for breastfed babies. And I would certainly emphasize that because human milk is more easily digested than formula, the baby probably is going to be hungrier sooner than the formula-fed kids. So... um, Where this gets kind of hairy is when you find yourself wondering if you should pump before you leave work or you should wait to nurse when you're reunited with the baby. And here's the little tease, okay, I'm going to cover this in a different show. And I will go through a little bit of problem solving about how you figure out those things. But making the wrong judgment call can really make everybody unhappy, all right? As the old saying goes, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And that is true. The baby won't be happy. You won't be happy. The caregiver won't be happy. So really, the key here is communication between the caregiver and the mother. That's a key factor in uh, making that decision. So the other thing really is a ravenously hungry baby wants to uh, be fed. So the caregiver is going to need some advice about what to do in that situation. Again, stay tuned. I'll cover this in a separate show. Feeding duration, mm, hard to tell. Some kids go faster. Some kids go slower. I would say, especially with the breastfed infant, it's it's really important for them to take their time. The big question that I get a lot is how much, how much, how much? Well, I don't know how much. It depends on... At least three factors. Number one, how old is the baby? Number two, is the baby being given any other food or fluids? And number three, is this a typical day for the baby? Now, most babies who are six weeks or older, when they're first enrolled uh, in a a non-residential center, so let's start there. Uh, By that time, you're making about 800 milliliters, that is about 27 ounces of milk, So let's say that the baby is taking in about 25 to 30 ounces of milk in a 24-hour period. If you want a slightly more uh, uh, more precision on that, I would say, as a rough estimate, babies that are two to four months old will take about two to three ounces at each feeding. A baby who is five months or more will take about four to six ounces. But again, those are just really, really rough figures. All righty. Uh, we need to go to break. We will be finishing up. I'll talk a little bit about communication, and then I'll finish up with some final points. I'm Marie Biancuso. Don't go away. We will be right back after this short break. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
The new Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin-to-skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands-free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture-wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin-to-skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at NewRooBaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-Baby.com. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso, your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thanks for joining me today as we talk about breastfeeding and sending your child off to a child care center or even a home where he gets child care. Um, I'd just like to tell you a little anecdote here about the fact that sometimes you can be really blindsided by what happens. I'm thinking of a young woman who had seemingly everything going for her when her mother-in-law, who had recently retired, offered to take care of the baby when the mother went back to work. It all seemed really good. The grandmother was super into breastfeeding, had breastfed her own mm, two or three children, I think, and she was very positive about the the breastfeeding and had a good rapport with the baby. She lived close by to the baby and the parents, which was really great. So it all seemed really ideal. And then it kind of unraveled a little bit when the mother came to me and said, Marie, I don't know what to do about this breastfeeding thing. I said, well, what's the matter? I thought it was going to be really good. She said, yeah, well, She's all for the breastfeeding, but the baby's only two months old and she wants to give the baby cereal. She'll give the baby my milk. She's good with that, but she wants to give it cereal. and I don't want my baby having cereal. I know that's not right. I said, okay, well, mother-in-laws are always a little tricky. So did you talk to your husband? She said, yeah. And he said that his mother knew how to bring up a kid, that she had fed kids, all that he and his sisters were all fine, and so, no siree, he wasn't going to go there. And I said, okay, well, then you're faced with an awkward situation. You're either going to have some drama in the family, or you're going to have to talk to your mother-in-law, or both. So, here's the point that I'd like to make. Sometimes you have this seemingly ideal situation, but it doesn't work out quite the way you had thought. So, make sure that you have all of your facts together. So, that brings me then to kind of trying to wrap up what I've had to say here today. We've talked about a number of things, and I'm going to give you some take-home messages, and then I'm going to encourage you to listen to a following show, can you tell I'm building a little series here, a little little cliffhanger maybe, uh, because I have a lot more to say on this topic. But for today, what I'd like you to remember is select a caregiver who will be 101% supportive of your breastfeeding goals. Remember that no matter how much training and information a caregiver has, it won't substitute for shared values and mutual respect. Be sure the caregiver and or the facility creates an atmosphere, both a physical atmosphere and a communication environment, 
that supports, protects, and promotes breastfeeding. And if I didn't mention it earlier today, let me just say, look around the environment. Things like, do they have posters that idealize bottle feeding? Or do they show children breastfeeding? Do they have formula company literature hanging around the place? Those would be things that I would clue into. Number two, know the federal laws and regulations in your state about breastfeeding and paid child care. Along with that, be aware of any special recognition or Resources that child care providers have earned or have access to, anything that will support, protect, and promote breastfeeding. Clearly communicate, this is number three, clearly communicate your own goals, preferences, and directives. If you're determined to have nothing but your milk offered to your child, be upfront and say so. If you want to breastfeed the baby when you arrive at the caregiver's location, make sure they know not to offer a baby a full feeding before you're scheduled to arrive. Do good communication around that if things don't go as planned. And have some backup plans in your mind before you find yourself in a crisis. That is, if a pacifier is okay but formula is not, make sure you've made that clear. And finally, Make sure that they know the mechanics of the giving of the milk and that nobody throws away your milk without you knowing about it. All right, then. I swear that these days always go much, 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 much too fast, but I... That's all the time that we have today. I'd like to thank you for being here. I would like to thank our sponsor, New Angel. That's N-U-A-N-G-E-L dot com. And I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. Be sure to visit our Facebook page. Be sure to drop me an email at radio at born to be breastfed dot com if you'd like. If you're a professional and you're interested in continuing education, remember that I'm your source for breastfeeding and lactation continuing education on the web and sometimes in your city. I'll be in several cities uh, this year. So if you're a professional, take a look at my professional site, breastfeedingoutlook.com. Or if you're a parent, take a look at my site at borntobebreastfed.com. I'm Marie Bietkuto, and I promise I will help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby (laughs) was born to be breastfed. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.